talk today about an issue uh, that for me is my greatest challenge, okay? So you'll want to lean in if you want to know, what is it, what sin does Pastor Jeff struggle with more than any other? I'm going to share uh, that with you. It's the sin that constantly attacks, and if I'm not continually resisting, this sin is, I believe, the one that could and would destroy me. The sin that I'm battling? I won't ask any guesses because uh, <laughs> could make me cry, you know? <laughs> you could hurt my feeling. Uh, anyway, uh, the sin that I'm battling daily is pride. It's self-sufficiency. It's thinking, you know what, I think I'm going to be okay. Lord, you know, uh, take a break. I never actually say, Lord, take a break. I just don't take the time to invite him and yield and surrender. Do you understand? Because I think I'm going to be fine. I'll just march into today and I'll be my own boss and I, I'll figure it out on my own. Thanks, Lord. Uh, but, but I got this one. That's exactly what I'm doing with that attitude. Uh, pride is the original sin. Did you know that? Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 to 15, when Satan, Lucifer, the devil, uh, was going to battle with the Lord. If you look in Isaiah, it's all about I. I will ascend, I will raise, I will sit. Do you see that? Pride is emphasis on I. I, I think I can do it. I think it's, it's all about me. And it was that appeal to pride that Satan used to tempt Adam and Eve in the garden, Genesis 3. Think with me just for a minute. Uh, Satan comes and appealing to Adam and Eve and saying, you don't have to listen. Be your own boss. You don't have to avoid that tree. That tree has great fruit. The Lord's holding out on you. He, he really doesn't want you to give you the best things. You can be your own God. You can call your own shots. Go ahead and eat it. That's an appeal to pride. Proverbs 16.5, the Lord detests the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Proverbs 16.18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. James 4.6, this one, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Psalm 10.4, the proud don't seek God. There's no room for him in their lives. Psalm 31.23, the Lord pays back the proud in full. Proverbs 8.13, the Lord hates pride and arrogance. Here's what C.S. Lewis, anybody C.S. Lewis fan? The essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. <laughs> pride leads to every other vice. It's an anti-God state of mind. It's really true. God hates all sin, but I'm convinced he hates pride the most. Why? Because it's an insult to Calvary. It's an emphasis on me. I can do it. I don't need you, Jesus. I know what you've done for me on the cross. I know what's available to me through your spirit and your word, but I'm still going to do it on my own. I think I can handle this one. Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest 
suspect some of you read, the greatest curse in our spiritual life is pride. Wherever there is pride or conceit, Jesus can't teach us anything. Wherever there is pride or conceit, Jesus can't teach us anything in that. Remember I said my greatest struggle in life is pride? Fact is, your greatest problem in life is pride too. The, the truth is, every sin that I can even imagine has at its root an emphasis on I, on me. Pride is active and it's moving and it's attacking and daily you have to resist. Now some of you are thinking right now, I, don't, I think you're wrong, Pastor Jeff, because because I don't, I don't think I'm anything. I think I'm worthless. I, I don't think I can do much. I, I, I think I'm just a worm and, and nobody cares. Can, can I tell you, even in that attitude, I get it. You're not thinking too highly of yourself. What are you doing instead? Thinking too poorly of yourself. But the point is you're thinking too much about yourself. It's a focus on me. That's the essence of pride. Whether it's classic pride, thinking way too much of yourself, or, or the other side, which is thinking nothing and too little of yourself, the focus of pride is I. It's all about me. Now, today, we're going to look at a vivid illustration given to us in the book of Daniel. So if you have your phone, have your Bible, locate Daniel chapter 4 with me. Would you please? Um, it, this is pretty interesting because Daniel 4 is actually from the perspective written by King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, that's really interesting, I think, because he's the king of Babylon, but he's also the king of the world. Literally, at this moment, Babylon controlled the known ancient world. So, he was literally the king of planet Earth, the human king of planet Earth, okay? And now, uh, Nebuchadnezzar is going to learn a lesson. He wants everybody to learn the lesson with him. Isn't that interesting? So, I'm going to teach you a lesson. Here's what I've learned. Here's how God got my attention when I got full of pride. So, so Nebi's going to share with us. Here, here's what I learned and I want the whole world to learn the lesson that I've learned. If you're able, we're going to read the first eight verses, Daniel chapter 4. Could you stand with me if you're able to stand, and let's declare God's Word together. Ready? Here we go. King Nebuchadnezzar, to the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are His signs, how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented, and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was laying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. 
So I commanded at all the wise men of Babylon, be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. He is called Belshazzar, after the name of my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. Let's pray. Lord, would you please guide us today as we dig into Daniel chapter 4. I believe, Lord, that you gave a message to King Nebuchadnezzar that we need to hear today. Lord, uh, would you help us to see the sad results of pride? When we sow pride, we reap stuff that none of us want to have going on. So we pause for just a moment, and we want to invite the Spirit of your Son, Jesus, the, the third person of the Trinity. Would you come right now and take charge today in your church? Because this is your church. And I thank you for each person here today in person, and I praise you for those who are watching online. Lord, we welcome you, and we welcome you corporately today, but right now, even more importantly, we invite you personally to come take charge of our individual lives. Would you come and work and speak and, and do a work in our lives, help us to see where pride has little pockets going on in our thoughts, in our attitudes, in our words, in our behavior. Point it out, Lord. We're ready to hear from you. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, Amen. you can be seated. Do you recall that Daniel had another dream? <laughs> so if you want to go back to chapter 2, he had this dream of a statue with gold at the head, chest and arms of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, legs of iron, toes of clay. Remember that? Chapter 2, verse 1, uh, Nebuchadnezzar said, I had a dream and it's troubling me. Now... He has a second dream, and it says it's terrifying me. Do you see the difference? The first one troubled the king. Uh, this dream in Daniel 4 terrifies King Nebuchadnezzar. So he calls all of the wise guys, all of his smart counselors in, and once again, just like in chapter 2, they're useless. So he calls again for Daniel to come interpret this wild dream I've just experienced. And uh, beginning in verse 9, Nebi is telling Daniel his dream. He says, there's this enormous tree, and I just want you to know the tree was huge, and it reached to the sky, and it had amazing fruit, and animals sat underneath it, and birds lived in its branches. Verse 14, and then an angel announces to Nebuchadnezzar, this tree must be cut down and only a stump is going to remain of this massive tree, okay? 
So verse 17 is the reason that Nebuchadnezzar records uh, these words, okay? So I just want to read chapter 4, verse 17, and he says, The decision is announced by messengers, the holy ones declaring the verdict, so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. Did you catch who just said that? <laughs> That's Nebuchadnezzar, okay? He says, I want everybody throughout the world to know, down through history, that when you get full of yourself, God doesn't like that. Uh, when you get full of yourself, full of pride, and pride takes over, some bad things happen. I, I want you to know, God, the God of the Bible, Daniel's God, is the king of planet earth. He's the one in charge. And notice what it says, verse 17. He puts people in charge, and then he takes them away. And then he builds up a kingdom, and he says, that's enough. Time for the next kingdom. That's the lesson that Nebuchadnezzar learned. Now, now verse 19, he's perplexed, uh, Daniel is, because now I've got to deliver some bad news. It seems like Daniel's grown a little fond of Nebuchadnezzar. He's been with him now for lots of years, probably 20, 30 years, much most scholars recommend or, or suggest. So now he says, I got to tell you exactly what's going on. And here is the interpretation of the dream. We'll start with verse 20. The tree you saw, Nebi, which grew large and strong with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals, having nesting places in its branches for the birds. Your majesty, look at verse 22. You are that tree. You've become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a holy one, a messenger, an angel coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field. While its roots remain in the ground, let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with wild animals until seven times pass for him. This is the interpretation, verse 24, your majesty. And this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord, the King. You'll be driven away from people, and you're going to live with the wild animals. You're going to eat grass like the ox. You're going to be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass for you until you acknowledge the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms of earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Verse 26, the command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. This is amazing. I, I, I want to give you some advice 
Nebuchadnezzar, I know you're the king of the planet, but here's what I would do if I was you. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. (laughs) Maybe you're the tree and the Lord is about to cut you down and just a stump of you is going to be left. Verse 25 Seven years, you're going to live like a wild man, okay? You are going to literally live with the wild animals until you drop your pride. You got it? Nebi, you are so full of yourself, and you think you deserve everything you have. But this is a God-given kingdom, and he needs to wake you up. Advice from Daniel to his king. Repent. You know, you're going this way, Nebuchadnezzar, and I'm advising you do a, a, a total turn and go towards the Lord and acknowledge your pride and ask the Lord to forgive you. King Nebuchadnezzar is terrified by this dream. Okay? He's, he's, he's terrified But here's what's interesting, as terrified as he is of this dream and its interpretation, he refuses to repent. Why? (laughs) I think he's too proud. He's, okay, I I hear you, and and you knew exactly what this dream was about, but are you kidding? I'm I'm the great king. I am the king of planet Earth. Look at everything I've built. Look at all of these countries and armies that I've led, and we've defeated them all. I am the king of the mountain, and as much as he's terrified, he refuses to call it sin and repent. Verse 29 is interesting. Uh, All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace, full of himself, looking all around. Is this not Babylon? Is this not great? Look around, all all of this amazing stuff. He said, I have built by my mighty power and for the glory of me, my majesty. Even as these words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. Hey, Nebi, remember the dream? This is what decreed for you, Nebi. Your royal authority has been taken from you. And right now, you're going to be driven away from people. You're going to live with wild animals. You're going to eat grass like the ox. Seven times, seven years will pass by until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms of earth and give them to anyone he wishes. Immediately, verse 33, what had been said about Nebi was fulfilled. He was driven away from people. He ate grass like an ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven. Hair grew like feathers of eagle. His nails like the claws of a bird. Wow. Quite a picture, isn't it? (laughs) Um, Literally, if you hold your spot, go to chapter 5 and verse 21. It references back, but I, I just want to show you. It says, he was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal, and he lived with the wild donkeys. 
Who says the Lord doesn't have a sense of humor? Okay, think about that a little bit. Okay, uh, you are going to live like a wild donkey. You've been so full of yourself, Nebuchadnezzar. You're so proud. Now, literally, you're going to make a donkey of yourself for seven years. Now, that's sad, and it's also kind of funny at the same time. Okay, now, seven years. Nebuchadnezzar lived this way, totally out of his mind, uh, until he finally wakes up and comes to his senses, and he repents finally, and this is recorded for us. Remember, this is Nebuchadnezzar, uh, and he says these words, uh, read down verse 34, he says, at the end of that time, he's writing, I, Nebuchadnezzar, Raise my eyes towards heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation. He's talking about the Lord God to generation. All the peoples of earth are regarded as nothing. Our God does as He pleases with the powers of heaven, the peoples of the earth, no one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? <laughs> At that same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out. I was restored to my throne. I became greater than ever before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven. Because everything he does is right. All his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he's able to humble. Those who walk in pride, he's able to humble. Wow. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's powerful coming from the tongue, from the lips, from the pen of Nebuchadnezzar. Pagan, murderous, throw him in the fire, Nebi is now praising and worshiping the God of the Bible. You know, no one you know. You got some people in your life you're thinking, they're too far gone. Now, now they'll never surrender their... Uh, you would have said this times 10 about Nebi, but now he's glorifying the God of the Bible. I personally believe that Nebi here places his faith in God, Okay? He woke up spiritually. I think there's a lot of reason to hope that someday in the new heaven and the new earth, you're going to be able to go up and shake, your name is Nebuchadnezzar? Nice to meet you. I'm George. Yeah, it's going to be cool. I, I really, I really, he really seems to repent uh, and woke up spiritually and says the God of the Bible is the real deal, the one who controls the whole earth. And the last line, I think, is huge. And those who walk in pride, our God, the God of the Bible, is able to humble. So, what's the key lesson that Nebuchadnezzar wants us to get? What is it that he wants us to learn from his experience? And quite, a, quite an experience, right, Jose? Can you imagine? Seven years living out amongst the wild donkeys and... Uh, I won't give you, I was practicing some donkey sounds, and I'll do myself and you a favor, but just imagine it, okay? 
What's Nebi shouting at you and I? What should we learn from his life? Okay? I think here it is. We can humble ourselves and fight to keep pride at bay. We can and we should humble ourselves, daily fight the battle of pride. We can humble ourselves, or if we refuse, the Lord will join in and humble us, and He'll do with us exactly what we see here with Nebuchadnezzar, okay? So, you can humble yourself, or God will do it. We, we can choose, to, and over and over again, let me tell you, the New Testament says, humble yourself, okay? So, that's something that we're ordered to do. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, Matthew 23, 12, Luke 14, 11, James 4, 10, Matthew 18, 4, the Lord requires us, humble yourself. And if you refuse, <clears throat> no, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I refuse, then the Lord will do it for us, okay? And, and I would say it's always preferable, <laughs> it's always better when we humble ourselves. Don't, don't wait for the Lord to humble you because that's going to be far worse, Okay? It's a battle. It's hard. It takes effort and time to daily humble. But I'm just telling you, if you wait, the Lord will force the issue. And before we move on, as I've been studying all week, let me just ask the question. Could it be possible that the Lord is using our current situation in our country with COVID and riots and it seems like chaos everywhere, could it be the Lord is attempting to wake up America from its pride? Is, is that possible? Is part of the reason we're going through what we're going through right now is the Lord is saying, I've been waiting, but, but you, you, you've been so full of pride and, and now I'm going to force the issue. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enter in, and I'm going to wake you up, just like I woke up Nebuchadnezzar. Matthew 23, 12, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Did you get that? Whoever exalts himself will be, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So, I want to spend the rest of our time probably another 15, 20 minutes, um, how do you humble yourself, okay? If you don't want God to enter in and, and humble you, if you don't want to have what happened to Nebi or some form of it, uh, what do we do? How do we go about staying humble and resisting pride? I'm going to give you five suggestions, okay? Here we go. How do we stay humble? First, we have to be convinced that we are weak and puny and vulnerable to pride in all of its forms, okay? So pride in me will look different than pride in you, but you have to be convinced it's there and it's trying to take control. Now, here's the problem. 
I want you to use um, a telescope on my pride, but I don't mind using a microscope on you. You understand? So, so that's the problem, and even that's proud. So the attitude needs to be, it's not a matter of if there is pride, it's a matter of where is there pride, and Lord, how can I root it out of my life? You understand? Because there is pride, I promise you. And if you don't think you have any pride, that thinking in itself is proud. Do you understand? Because you're thinking, no, no, I'm, 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 I don't have that struggle. No, Daniel said it straight up. Chapter 4, verse 27, Nebi, renounce your sin. Nebuchadnezzar, your sin, you're full of yourself. I want you to repent, renounce your sin before the Lord. And Nebuchadnezzar refused. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, the Lord is in active opposition to the proud. Always has been, always will be. So, so if you've allowed pride to take over your life, track with me right now, you're on this team, and God says, I'm in active opposition to the You're on the other team. When we're living in pride, we're literally living on the opposing team to King Jesus. Here's how C.J. Mahaney put it. Pride is our greatest enemy. Humility is our greatest friend. First step, Lord, show me where pride has taken root in my life. Show me where um, I and the focus on me and mine, I focus. Show me where that's taken root, and Lord, give me a holy hatred for it. I, I've known about this in me for a long time, long enough to realize, wow, you know, it's, it's like weeds. They just keep growing back and growing. You got to constantly, I hate those weeds of pride. I hate it. I want them rooted. Why? Because pride divides marriages. It splits families. Pride causes church wars. Every time I hear about a church where there's division, the root is always pride. Somebody's not getting their way. Me, my way. What about me? Make me look good. I want to be I want I want to be the one making decisions. I want to be in charge. You understand? First of all, we have to be convinced, Lord, help me to see it and help me to wholly hate it. Second practical suggestion to battle pride. Um, when you're alone, when you're alone, when you're having your time with the Lord, and I hope it's daily. And uh, when, when you can, and if you're able, and I understand not everybody is, but when you are able, assume the posture of humility, okay? When we physically with our bodies recognize that Jesus is the king, when we recognize that Jesus is the master and Lord and the ruler of everything, suddenly now... I assume the position. Do you understand what I'm saying? When, when we assume the position of humility, it helps us. Okay? Because remember the Pharisee was praying in the street, 
And he was standing out loud saying, Oh, Lord, thank you that I'm not awful sinner like these people. Thank you for not creating me such a sinner. So you can even in your prayers be proud. Did you know that? I found assuming the posture helps. Because suddenly now, this, this makes me realize you're the king. Okay? And I really told the Lord I really didn't want to do this again. But he really says you need to see it. But this is the best posture for humility. Are you ready? And I'm not sleeping right now on you. I don't know about you, but at my age, this ain't comfy. Right, Myron? This is, and you get right on your face and you're going, oh yeah. How long can I endure here, Lord? My lower back is already talking to me. But I'm telling you, when you get in this position... It reminds you who the king is, who the master, who the Lord is. Okay, Lord, I did it. Are you happy? (sighs) Get on your knees, get on your face. The other thing, (laughs) it keeps you alert, it keeps you awake, you know? So if you you have a way of kind of snoozing and dozing off when you're praying, it's a good way. Okay, third suggestion for battling pride humbling, okay, is just be aware every day you better be on attack mode. You better, pride is active, so you got to meet pride with resistance, and you need to attack pride back. Begin every day, Lord, I need you, I yield to you, I'm dependent on you, I'm fully confident of you working in my life, and if you don't work in me today, I'm toast. Why is that? Why, why does it have to be active? Because pride is self-sufficiency. I think I'm going to be okay today. I don't think I need the Lord today. I think I can do it by myself. I'm tired. I'm weary. Now, you'd think if you're tired and weary, you'd realize how desperately. But we think I'm too tired and weary to get humble. I'm too worn out. I don't want to think I don't want to yield. I don't want to get on my knees. I don't want to get on my face. I don't feel like it. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of my favorite preachers, the problem with most Christians is instead of talking to ourselves, we're listening to ourselves. (laughs) There's some real insight there, okay? Uh, let, Let me say it again. The problem with most Christians is Instead of talking to ourselves, we're listening to ourselves. My old sin nature and your old sin nature are constantly talking. Do you understand that? They're telling, there's a part of you that that is proud and anti-Jesus and doesn't want to do it God's way. So instead of listening to that old dead man inside of me. I need to speak truth to the old man. Does that make sense? In other words, I can do all things today through Jesus who gives me strength. Lord, everything you need me to do today, I can do in your power, okay? I can find mercy and grace right now to help me in my time of need. Jesus, apart from you, I can do how much? And how much can you do apart from Jesus, okay? The answer is nothing, okay? Jesus, you're my rock, my king, my ever-present help. Now, let me say one more thing. When you're praying, 
I would encourage you to get in the habit of saying it out loud with your mouth, okay? Lord, you're my ever-present help in times of need. Now, you might have to explain to the rest of the family for a little while, uh, are, are you okay? You, 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 I keep hearing words, yes, I'm talking to, to the Lord right now, okay? So eventually, they'll get, they'll get used to it, right, Denise? Uh, eventually, they'll go, oh yeah, he's just, he's just talking to the Lord. Now, why is that needed? Track with me. I can be praying in my head and be thinking about a hundred other things. Can anybody else besides me do that? Okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, dear, mighty, providential, sovereign God. I wonder what we're going to eat for lunch. Um, please know how desperately I need you. Is it going to rain today? Do you, do you understand? When, when you are thinking in your head... You can be thinking lots of other things at the same time. And I would argue that when we're doing that, we're really not focused. We're really not humbling ourselves. But catch this. this. This is huge. But you can't say two things at once. You can only say one. Does that make any sense to you? So, so when, when you're talking to the Lord out loud, you, it's kind of like you're drowning out the other things and you're saying, I can do all things today, Jesus, through you as you give me your strength. Okay? While I'm saying and talking, I can't be talking, you know, I wonder what the weather is or what we're going to have for lunch today. You're saying one thing and you can't talk two things at once. That is helpful to me. Okay? So, say it out loud. And uh, I promise, if you'll start getting into that mode of attack and not listening to your feelings, not listening to maybe the old voices, the ugly voices in your head. But if you'll talk God's Word, praying God's Word. By the way, Beth Moore has a great book on that. I love it. Praying God's Word. I'd encourage you, get it. And start saying out loud lots of in their, what they are. It, she just lists out hundreds of little, this is God's Word, and, I, and you can pray God's Word out loud. It's, it's life-changing, okay? Fourth suggestion for defeating pride and humbling ourselves. Ready? Let's say you start off good. Let's say you got off to a good start, spent time with the Lord, Jose. You were on your knees. You, you were talking Jesus, I need you. Uh, you're, you're my rock, my strong tower, my safe harbor. You're telling him all sorts of truth that you know, and now you're all full of Jesus, and you've driven out pride. And now it's two in the afternoon. And now you just had uh, an argument with a coworker, or your boss was a jerk, or just you just figure something happened and it's bad, and you know what happens to your spiritual tank? You know what happens to mine? What happens? I was full. Now it's almost empty. So, so here's the problem. Now I'm vulnerable. And, and here's my suggestion. You find some time, even if you have to go to the bathroom and lock the door, and now get recharged. And I know uh, if you're in the bathroom and you're talking out loud, that could... Maybe you need to whisper a little bit, but you just 
take a five-minute break and get back with Jesus. Cast your cares. Invite him to be the king once again. Whatever is worrying you, cast it. First Peter 5, 6, and 7. And Lord, I, I humble myself once again before you. See, see, the problem is we start strong, something happens, or maybe several things happen, and now I'm not doing well. Lord, Lord I need you. I need you again. I need to get refilled. I, I need to get re-allowing uh, you to be king and Lord and master. Number five. Quickly, birds of a feather do what? Okay, about seven of you know it. So here we go again. Give you another run at it. Birds of a feather. First Corinthians 15.33, bad company corrupts good character. So if you have people that you hang with who struggle with pride, guess what they're going to do to you? Do you understand? When we hang with people who are full of pride, proud actions, proud attitudes, proud words, when their pride is with you a lot, pride is contagious. Pride is something you can catch from other people. It, 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 it like sticks. So, so I would encourage you, pray for humble, Jesus-dependent friends in your life. Hang with people who are battling pride and fighting to stay humble. My greatest battle in life, the struggle that I realize is constant and daily and brings down more pastors than sex or money is pride. Did you know that? And the battle that brings down more followers of Jesus than any other is pride. So, so here's, here's my challenge. I'll pray for you in the battle if you'll pray for me. I'll pray for you. You pray the same for me, that we can humble ourselves, make it a daily priority, because if we refuse, if we refuse, don't forget this part, the Lord says, okay, I'll step in. <laughs> if you as his children will not humble yourself, the Lord says, I, I, I can take over. I'll step in and I'll start doing some of the very same things I had to do with King Nebuchadnezzar I can do that in your life. And I close with this from 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14. Would you join me praying for our country? Remember what Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 7, 14? It says, if my people called by my name, what does it say? Will do what? Humble themselves, pray, seek my face, Turn from your wicked ways. Look at the promise. I'm going to hear. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to heal. Maybe, maybe we, the church, need to set the tone there. Understand? Perhaps. Why is the Lord allowing all of this craziness to go on? I'm convinced. The Lord's trying to get our attention. He's trying to say, it's time to wake up. That's what he did with 
Nebuchadnezzar here, wake up, wake up, humble yourself, pray, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways. Better humble yourself, America. I'm trying to wake you up. Let's pray. I invite you just to pause for a moment now and invite the Lord to show you what he has to say. Daniel chapter 4 to you. Lord, we are a proud and scrappy people. <laughs> I know that's true for me. And Lord, uh, thank you for warning us even through a pagan king of the danger of pride. And Lord, your book is filled with warnings, instruction that tells us how much you hate pride. So I just want to pray for each of my friends here today. Will you help us to learn to hate pride? Would you, learn, would you help us to learn to spot pride in all of its forms whenever it starts appearing in our lives? And Lord, if uh, there's some areas right now that we've been allowing pride take over. Would you point those out? And just like you used Daniel to advise Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, repent. Turn and run to the Lord and confess that is sin. We want to do the same. Any, any pockets of pride in our words are behavior, our attitudes, self-sufficiency. We don't need you. Lord, would you point that out? Help us, Lord, to fight for humility daily in our lives. Show us, Lord, how we personally can learn to humble ourselves so you don't have to. pray for each individual. I pray for our church family. I pray for our nation, Lord. I pray that it would start with us, people called by my name. Lord, help us to set the tone. Help us to humble ourselves. And pray and seek your face. We need you, Lord, to bring healing. Use us, your kids, followers of your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray all.